This was my first day at my new school, and so far, it was going pretty well. Can you believe the principal himself was giving me the guided tour, as well as showering me with praise? Amber, with your impressive grades and outstanding academic achievements, you'll fit in nicely here. This is Leo, my son. He's another excellent student here, and he's going to show you around. Leo looked at me from head to toe, then smiled and winked at me. Huh? Was he checking me out? And here's the library. Maybe we could study here together sometime. Um, sorry, but I prefer to study alone. Right at that moment, a guy walked past us to the librarian's desk. Oh. My. God. He totally had this whole cool bad boy look going on. I zoomed in to see what book he was holding. The Orion Mystery? Wow. Nice taste. I've been really into ancient stuff these days, too. Leo must have noticed me staring at that guy, as he snidely said, I'd steer clear of the likes of him if I was you. His grades are pathetic, and he's probably only in here so he can take a nap. He's below your league, while I'm far more suitable. Thanks for showing me around, but seeing your smug and scornful attitude towards others proves otherwise. Then I left, leaving a stunned-looking Leo behind. I found my class easily enough, even without Leo's help. And my desk? Yeah, there was no missing that. I mean, the huge bouquet with my name on it and a welcome hamper full of candy was a dead giveaway. And apparently, it was from the principal. Whoa. I knew he was glad I was here, but wasn't this a bit too much? Anyway... I shared all the flowers and candies with my classmates to get to know them better. So far, so good. And these two sweet girls, Jane and Ellie, walked to the canteen with me and showed me how to get the lunch tray using my student QR code. But then they pointed over to a group of students sitting next to the window and told me to go sit with them. Huh? Why can't I sit with you? You're not one of us. Then they went and joined another group. What did they mean by that? I looked around and noticed there were two menus, a delicious-looking one on the red board and a bland one on a blue board. Hmm. It seemed the boards correlated to the trays, as more kids than not had the blue trays with the dull foods. I took my red tray full of tasty food and walked over to the window, where all the kids were sitting with red trays, including Leo. Hmm. There's something really strange about this school. I was pretty awkward and didn't know what to do when I saw the Orion Mystery Boy walking in with a blue tray. So, without thinking, I approached him. I saw you this morning in the library. You were checking out my favorite book. So, should I return the book or what? No, no, I just want to make friends. Stop hanging out with this loser. A straight-A student like you should sit with us. We're different, see? This was so stupid. So I told Leo I didn't need colored trays to tell me who I could and couldn't talk to, and that I was fully capable of making my own mind up. Leo and his friends looked furious, while the Orion mystery boy just grinned. Suddenly a girl in the group spoke up with a super cold tone. Don't worry, Leo. This new girl will soon figure out what losers they are. Then she signaled for the whole group to leave. After that, the Orion mystery boy and I started talking. And he finally told me his name. It's John. Hmm. 
The blue tray kids were really nice. Way nicer than the red tray ones. I asked John what the deal with the trays was, and he said that this school divided its students into two groups. The red were top achievers, and therefore got better food, cleaner spaces at the canteen, just everything. While the blues were made to eat bland food and squashed into the corner of the canteen. Poof, this whole thing was dumb. So I continued hanging out with John and his friends. Only Leo and that girl he was with, Quinn, didn't approve. Turns out she's the best student around here, and that made her the leader of the Reds. On many occasions, Quinn and her minions had pulled me aside after class to tell me I should stay away from the Blues. But I didn't care. Then one day, the school announced that it was looking for the next school president. I wasn't that interested in it, but my friends were eager for me to sign up. If you're president, then you could make things fairer around here. Right. Better food, better tables and chairs. Please, we need you. Well, they did have a point. I really wanted them to have better things. And I suppose being school president would look good on my profile. So I signed up. But wow, I didn't think I'd be this popular. My friends completely supported me, made colorful banners and helped me come up with catchy slogans. And you know what? In the end, I got to the final round. Whoop! Now all I had to do was beat Quinn. But then, something awful happened at the school. I arrived to find a bunch of students gathered around something. I squeezed through the crowd and... Oh, God. The principal's beloved portrait was covered in red paint. Then across the loudspeakers, two names were called to the principal's office. John's and... Mine! Do you two know why I've summoned you here? John and I shared confused looks. No, huh? My portrait has been vandalized, and I know that Amber, you were the last one who passed the security guard yesterday. And John, you were caught on CCTV climbing over the back gate. Can you both please explain what you were doing so late at school? I couldn't find my math book, and I have an important math test coming up. So I came back to try and find it. And what about you, John? I knew it. An exemplary student such as Amber would never do such a thing. But a troublemaker like you, on the other hand, you're expelled. I didn't do it! Please reconsider, sir. Please give me some time so I can find the one who's responsible. Very well. Seeing as it's you, Amber, I shall allow you one week to prove this boy's innocence. Him, or his guilt. When we left the office, I asked John why he was sneaking about the school late at night, but he got all defensive. I had a thing, and it's none of your business. If you want to believe it was me, then do. Didn't you see what I just did? I defended you. Can't you just tell me? I had a thing, okay? My thing that you don't need to know. Then he left. I stood there feeling confused when Quinn, Leo, and their group walked towards me. Don't waste your time with him. Sooner or later, he's gonna be expelled. Right, Quinn? But Quinn ignored him, then gave me a dagger look. I'm gonna say this one last time. Stay away from him. Then they all left. Hmm. Why was Leo so sure that John would be expelled? I know they all hated John, especially Quinn. Could it be that they framed him? 
Well, there's only one way to find out. I needed to keep a close eye on Quinn and see what she was up to. So after school, I followed Quinn all the way to the harbor. Hmm, it's like she was waiting for someone. Um, what on earth are you doing? My god, I had to press my hands over my mouth so I didn't start screaming. Turns out he noticed that I was following Quinn, so he followed me too in case I do something stupid. Suddenly, Quinn took her phone out to call someone. But then a strange thing happened. John's phone started vibrating. Um, why is Quinn calling you? John took his phone out and showed me the screen. It's just my mom. And when I turned around to see what Quinn was doing, she'd gone. Ugh, I lost her. I've been following Quinn for a whole week, but it's led to nothing. <sighs> I was so deep in my thoughts that I accidentally dropped someone's backpack and all their stuff fell out. Ugh, it's Quinn's. Better pick everything up before she comes back. But then I saw something that caught my attention. It was a receipt for... Red paint. Jackpot. I knew it was her. John was skipping classes today, so I took a detour to his house after school to tell him. Huh? Why was Quinn standing outside his door? There was something seriously fishy going on here, so I followed them. They stopped at an abandoned house nearby, and I eavesdropped on their conversation. I think Amber knows something. Last time, we were lucky she didn't catch us dating at the harbor. But this time, what if she finds out? I've been working so hard for this school president campaign. I knew she'd go back for her math book. It would have been fine if the school didn't have that new camera at the back gate. Tomorrow, I will confess to the principal that I did it. You didn't do it yourself anyway. Oh god, I couldn't believe it. Turns out, Quinn was meeting John at the harbor, so when she called someone, it was actually him. But being an expert at this secret dating game, he had her number saved as mom. They were hiding their relationship this whole time. And worse, they tried framing me so Quinn would win the election. Unbelievable! I couldn't stay quiet any longer, so I stepped out in front of them, told them I'd heard everything and that I was going to tell the principal. Then I ran off without letting them say a word. The next day, I was en route to the principal's office when I passed Quinn tearing down her election posters on the wall. Why are you doing that? It's okay. I know I don't deserve to be school president. Hmm. I thought you wanted to be president more than anything in the world. Why else would you play dirty tricks on me? So, Quinn explained to me that she was running for school president to eliminate the discrimination here so that she didn't have to hide her relationship with John any longer. Oh wow, I didn't know. I didn't expect her to have such a meaningful motive behind all this. My plan was just to fight for better things for the Blues team. But man, Quinn had a vision to change this whole school. Impressive. And there's one more thing. Since you're the principal's favorite student, we were afraid that if you become school president, despite your best efforts, things here would only get worse. So there was no other way for us. We had to. I'm sorry. It seems like I misjudged Quinn, and I didn't want John to get expelled, so I said that I'd take the blame for the portrait incident. But it's all my fault. You don't need to do that. No worries. I'm sure to ace the math test and win a prize for the school, 
so there's no way he's going to punish me. So at recess, I was heading to the principal's office, but before I could get there, I found myself being dragged into the janitor's closet. Oh, it was John. He was feeling guilty and didn't want me to take the fall. I was about to reply to him when I heard two familiar voices in the science room next to us. It was Quinn and Leo. Oh my god, we could hear them clearly through the ventilation hole. <laughs> I can't believe it worked. Amber is such a fool. There's no way she'll be allowed to run for president and victory will be mine. So, are you really going to remove the division between the two groups just to freely date your stupid boyfriend in public? <laughs> are you fooled by that too? Of course I won't. No way. That was only to trick Amber and John. What I'm going to do is make sure all troublemakers are going to be kicked out of school. What? I got played? Again? Ugh! I turned to John and, oh man, he looked disappointed. Don't worry, I know a way to get back at them. On election day, Quinn gave her speech, and unsurprisingly, she went on about how the Red Group brings more to the school and therefore deserves their privileges. She really believes she could make a fool out of this Amber, huh? When I stepped out on the stage, her jaw dropped. Yeah, Quinn, I didn't confess to the principal. Giving speeches in front of a crowd wasn't something new to me, so I was super confident. I'm sure you're all aware of how this school operates. We're divided into two groups and get treated very differently. What I see here is discrimination and prejudice, when in reality, this should be a safe place for all students to strive and reach their full potential. So I'm standing here today to tell you that if you choose me to be your next school president, I will break the barrier. Let's say goodbye to red and blue trays and hello to fairness and equality. After my speech ended, the crowd went wild. Wow, and surprisingly, some of the red group were cheering me too. Hmm, you're probably wondering why I didn't expose Quinn in front of the whole school, right? As I see it, she'd had a massive reality check, so I think that was enough. I also spotted the principal quietly sneaking off with his head down in the midst of cheers the whole school gave me. Could you guess who won? Yeah, me of course. <laughs> John came on stage and handed me flowers in front of a furious looking Quinn. I walked towards her and whispered, Let's see how you're going to get rid of the troublemakers now. She just sneered at me, then stormed off the stage. Later, we heard that Quinn confessed all to the principal. Then she transferred to another school. What about me? Well, after I became school president, I stuck to my promise and began making some serious changes to the unfairness of the school. And John, did we become a couple, you ask? Oh no, we're just close friends. <laughs> I was prepared to not leave my room. I thought I'd have to hide from the boys forever, who were circling around me like wasps around jam. Do you think it's great to be the center of guys' attention? Unfortunately, everything comes with a price. Hi, my name's Elizabeth, and I'll tell you how all the boys at our school suddenly fell in love with me. I live in a small town in New England with my parents and my little sister, Carmen. Out of the two of us, I've always been the ugly duckling, and Carmen, the princess. I had to wear glasses because of my bad eyesight and braces to fix my bite. That's why I was always laughed at. Carmen, on the other hand, 
was a real beauty. Everyone adored her. It so happened that I was always in my younger sister's shadow. Maybe it annoyed me at first, especially when no one came to my birthday party. But then I accepted it and thought that popularity is a fickle thing. By ninth grade, I got used to my outcast image and always dressed in black. Elizabeth, why didn't you want to dress like the other girls? My mother wondered, because life is meaningless and cruel, and black reflects that best. My mom would usually stop talking after that, and preferred to switch the discussion to a more cheerful topic. Shopping, for example. As for my sister, most of the time, she didn't notice me. And at school, she preferred to say that I was her cousin from Europe. Guys kept ignoring me, as if I were invisible. I didn't get too upset, and generally, consider them to be a burden. But my friend Patricia didn't agree with me. She could talk about guys for hours, knew everything about them, gossip, rumors, their secrets. It was often difficult to stop her. Bob Richardson seems to have been injured and will probably be off the team. I think his ratings would plummet immediately. Patricia was obsessed with ratings. Both of us were far from the top of her charts, but Patricia kept her head up. I can assure you that this year, our rankings will go up. After all, Susan gained a lot of weight, and Veronica's transferred to another school. Although, we got a new upstart, Jenny. But either way, this year won't be like last year. I didn't care about the ratings. I was just going with the flow. What difference does it make, Pat? I used to say, everything will change when we get to college. Here, we're the nerds, and there, we'll be the real queens. I know, but I'd like to be a queen now. She sighed dreamily. I wasn't into flashy clothes or jewelry or makeup, but Patricia convinced me to stop by a store and pick out a perfume. A little bit of jasmine and everyone would be crazy about us. The store was small and barely noticeable from the street. No one was inside, except a strange man in a cab near the cash register. He looked more like a magician than a perfume salesman. While Patricia was choosing a perfume, he came up to me and said, I know exactly what you need. You do? Absolutely. I can pick out a client's perfume just by looking at them. And what do I need? A little love, said the salesman and handed me a bottle. I shook my head, wanting to see that I did not need the perfume. It's on the house. The man in the cab dismissed my objection. If you don't like it, you can return it. I was about to say no again. But Patricia grabbed my arm and hissed. What are you doing? Take it. It'll definitely improve your rating. Your friend knows what she's talking about. The salesman smiled at me. I reluctantly took the perfume and put it in my purse. It was weekend the next day. I was spending it alone, as usual, lying in bed, scrolling through my Instagram feed, sharing memes with Pat. Then I painted my nails black. And then I noticed my new perfume. I only wanted to smell it. Maybe love was hidden inside the bottle. I sprayed it on my wrist and sniffed it. The smell was strange, unlike anything I'd ever smelled before. No, I'm still the same old Elizabeth. I said out loud in frustration, no love here. The next morning, when the alarm clock went off and it was time to get up, I didn't immediately notice the change. I went downstairs to eat breakfast. Mom and dad were in the kitchen and my sister was still in bed. Mom made me pancakes, and then she asked me in surprise, Elizabeth, where are your glasses? I touched the bridge of my nose. They were gone, but I could see so clearly, as if I had perfect vision. 
I guess I don't need them anymore. I said in shock. I got dressed, put some perfume on my neck, and ran to school. Dale and Morin, the hottie from my class, was standing on the school steps. When he saw me, he smiled and said, Hey, you look great. Hi, I said, embarrassed. You too. I didn't know what was going on. Maybe he was just messing with me, and I actually had toothpaste smeared on my cheek. It's just that Dylan never talked to me. When I sat down at my desk, I was surrounded by a bunch of guys, and everyone was saying something to me. Hey, what's up? Betty, you look amazing today. Black suits you. The bell rang, and they finally left me alone. <sighs> I breathed a sigh of relief. Maybe it was just a prank. Someone probably decided to play a joke on me and convinced the boys to be a part of it. During class, a note landed on my desk. Betty, I like you. Would you like to go to the movies? Darren, that was too much. At recess, I found Patricia and told her everything. It's weird, but your ratings have skyrocketed today. I don't care about ratings. I snapped. I'm being chased by boys. As I said that, I looked around and saw all these guys staring at me in a weird way. I think it's cool. Pat shrugged. By the way, are you wearing your contacts? No, I can see fine now without my glasses or contacts. At home, Carmen came up to me. Hey, weirdo, what did you do? I hear the guys are all over you. I didn't do anything. Sure thing, you must be up to something. Stay away from Nigel. Carmen gave me a stare and walked out of the room. A couple of days later, I had a dentist appointment. After looking at the state of my teeth, he said in astonishment, Hmm, you have a perfectly healthy bite now. So I don't have to wear braces? Yes, we'll take them off now. But it's really strange. I've never seen any teeth fall back into place so quickly. I was so relieved. Although I got used to wearing braces, I can say I liked them. The food always got stuck in them, and I looked like Frankenstein's monster. But there was something else mixed in with the joy. Fear. I didn't know what was going on. I had a normal bite, good eyesight, and now guys were all over me. That seemed like a lot of coincidences for a few days. The girls at school had all sorts of theories about the boys' interest towards me. Collective insanity, a love potion, magnetic storm. But no matter how they described it, the fact remained the same. Boys were literally stalking me. Nigel, my sister's boyfriend, was no exception. He was waiting for me by the entrance. Betty, you look so beautiful today. How could I not see it before? I don't know. You're dating my sister, and you're always at our house. Exactly. I was blind. Oh my god. Not that, please. Betty, would you like to go out sometime? Sorry, I'm in a hurry. This is the last thing I need. If Carmen finds out about this, I'm dead. I ran home and locked myself in my room, as if my house was a fortress that was about to be stormed by hordes of guys who were in love with me. But is it all real? There must be some kind of magic involved. Nigel's pursuit didn't stop the next day. He followed me around and tried to get me to go out with him. What about Carmen? I turned around and said, You don't like her anymore? I do. He mumbled uncertainly and then added, It's just that you're different. So, what did you decide? Will you go out with me? No! I answered firmly and put
pushed him aside. Remember that and stay away from me. But Nigel didn't want to listen. When Carmen and Nigel were at our house together, he sneaked out and came into my room. Hello, Betty. I've been thinking about you. I sighed heavily. Nigel, why can't you leave me alone? Because I love you. He came closer and took my hand. I was about to yank it out when my sister showed up in the doorway. What's going on here? She screamed angrily. It's not what you think. I tried to explain, but Nigel interrupted me. Please forgive me, Carmen, but I love your sister. What? That's ridiculous. Carmen was furious. How could you? She slammed the door and ran out of the room. I pushed Nigel out into the hallway and in despair just collapsed on my bed. Why is this happening to me? I should have been happy because the guys were crazy about me. But it only gave me a headache, just like I thought it would. It became impossible to be at school. All the girls whose boyfriends were circling around me joined forces against me while the guys were giving me gifts, asking me out on dates. The girls declared a war on me and wanted to get me kicked out from school. And the leader of the Soulstyle squad was, of course, my sister. During the confrontation, I lost a couple of locks of hair, and some of my shirts were now covered in paint. Patricia was the only one who wasn't discouraged. Your rating is somewhere around here now. She pointed to the chart. This is what I call the death zone. It means that your enemies outnumber those who like you. Cool, so I'm in the death zone. Yeah, but you got a lot of guys now. I didn't have enough space in my room for all the presents. At school, all the girls looked at me with anger and jealousy in their eyes. And my sister was the main enemy. I know why he took Nigel away from me. She told me as I stood by my locker. You were always jealous of me. I wasn't jealous. And I didn't steal Nigel away from you. I don't like him at all. He's always following me around like a stalker. Telling me how pretty I am. Shut up! Shouted my sister. I won't leave it like this. I was getting awfully sick of it all. I was not used to being the center of everyone's attention. I was flattered by the attention, but there was something off about it. I tried to figure out what was wrong. It was just that one day, the guy started going crazy about me. Everything was normal the day before. I went for a walk with Patricia. We stopped at a perfume store. <gasps> perfume! I exclaimed. What was that strange man in the hat saying? Something about love and what I was missing. I decided to go to that store right away. It wasn't that easy to find. I circled that block for two hours. I walked up and down, counted all the signs, and when I got desperate, I spotted a very strange sign. There was no business name. Just the slogan, We'll grant your every wish. I went inside. Behind the counter was the man in the hat. Ah, the girl who lacked love. He greeted me. How are you doing? Is this your doing? All the boys are following me. They're literally obsessed with me. Maybe the concentration is too high. He scratched the back of his head. Can you fix it? It's very easy. Just stop using perfume and gradually everything will go back to the way it started. But are you sure that's what you want? Oh yes. I can't take it anymore. I handed him the perfume. It's your decision. He smiled, taking the bottle from my hands. But if anything, you know where to find my store. 
I walked out of the store and sighed with relief. In a few days, the number of my admirers dropped by half. A week later, no one noticed me. Not even Nigel. It's a shame that your rating is back to the same level. Patricia pointed at the chart. At least I'm not in the death zone. My sister stopped being mad at me. After Nigel came crying to Carmen, and she forgave him. The other girls have also cooled down, and were no longer willing to kick me out of school. I was back to my old self. Even my glasses were back where they used to be. At least now, I know what it's like to be adored by everyone. I can deny that at times, it was enjoyable, but definitely overwhelming. I'd rather be myself. Would you be able to enjoy life with so many enemies and admirers? How would you use the perfume? Post your comments. I'm very curious to know. Hi, my name is Agatha, and I want to tell you the story of how my father tried to get me into the military academy. But before I start, please subscribe to the channel and like my videos. It all started on that day, when Rob and I were playing Mario Kart at my house. As it always happens, we completely forgot about time. What time is it? I asked worriedly. Two o'clock. Why? Oh crap, you have to go now. We had, by my count, about ten minutes. Unless, of course, Dad decided to stop at the store to get his favorite muffins. Before we could get our heads together, we heard the front door creak. Honey, I'm home. There was a look of horror on my face. Rob didn't understand anything and was about to say something, but I put my index finger to his lips. Hey! I yelled back at my dad. You're early today! I heard him turn on the TV. I whispered, Leave, but be quiet. What happened? Rob also asked in a whisper. My dad hates all my boyfriends. He's also a retired officer and has guns. The kid got worried. All your boyfriends? How many of them did you have? If you're so interested, not many. You'd better worry about my dad not making a sieve out of you. He's got a real temper. Okay. Rob reluctantly agreed. I left the room and quickly made my way down the stairs. I walked up to my dad and put my arm around his shoulders. How was school? He asked, not looking away from the screen. Rob, meanwhile, was still upstairs. What an idiot! To give the boy a sign, I said loudly, Okay, just hope someone comes downstairs. What? Dad turned around and stared at me like I was crazy. I mean, the exams. I should study more. Oh, that's right. I turned my head and saw Rob walking slowly down the stairs. Can you go any slower? I thought to myself. My father was about to turn to me, but I exclaimed in time. What a kick! Nothing special. They're playing like a bunch of monkeys today. There was a rumbling sound behind me. Rob stumbled and tumbled down the stairs. I screamed. My father jumped up from his chair and quickly grabbed the bat that was always in the corner of the room. That's when Rob got really scared and realized he had to get out of the room as quickly as possible. He jumped up from the floor and ran out of the house. Dad rushed after him. Stop, you miserable thief! I, not wanting to be the reason Rob ends up in the hospital, yelled out to my father. Wait, he's not a thief! It's Rob! Dad stopped and looked at me. Even though he was silent, I knew exactly what he was thinking. That night, I got to hear it all. I told you not to bring guys here. In fact, you're not allowed to have a boyfriend. 
They stick to you like flies. It's not good. And all that kind of stuff. Then Dad added, If I ever see you with a boy again, I'll send you to military school. What? I was really surprised, to put it mildly. Yeah, you're a loose cannon. You need discipline. And I think I've been too easy on you. But that's ridiculous. Mom wouldn't let that happen. You leave your mother out of this. Dad went back to the TV. I slammed the door and hid in my room. That's just great. I complained loudly. Now I feel like I'm in prison. I needed someone to talk to right away. So I texted Sam. SOS, help me out. A minute later, I got a reply. What's up? I'm on a date. That's amazing, I exclaimed. There are dates and boys all around me, and I need to stay away from it. It was real torture. The next day at school, I grabbed Sam's hand and took her to the bathroom. Ow, that hurt. My friend was angry, but she obediently followed me. When we went to the bathroom, I checked to see if anyone was in there. It was empty. Then I said, Actually, I needed your help yesterday. I wanted to respond, but Kevin... I don't want to hear anything. My life is a nightmare. What's wrong? Nothing, except that yesterday, my dad almost beat Rob with a bat. He also told me not to go out with boys or he'll send me to the military academy. Wow. Yeah, that's right. I can't give up boys, but I'm not much of a soldier either. They'll cut my hair off. I can't handle that. What are you going to do? Actually, I wanted to ask you. I needed some good advice. Sam thought for a few minutes, and then she exclaimed, Bingo! I've got it! Sam's plan was pretty simple. I needed to bring back my musical past. I used to play the piano, and now I need to pretend to give lessons. Instead, I would be able to go on dates, without causing much suspicion from my father. Not bad, except I'm not that good at piano. You don't have to play. Just say you were asked to help. My father fell for my story when I told him about my plans. It's a good idea, he said in his usual mentor voice. Maybe you should keep practicing because you quit so abruptly and you might make a little extra money. It's a start. I was very happy. Now it was necessary to make a schedule and assign a specific time to each guy. Adam would take Wednesday after four. That's about the time he gets off practice and we could go to the movies. I scheduled Andrew for Friday, five o'clock. He promised to take me bowling. And even though I couldn't play, it should be fun. That leaves Liam. I saved Sunday for him, my only day off. We don't do anything special with Liam. Just hang around town or sit in front of a store and make up funny nicknames for people. Usually the lesson lasted an hour, but I told my dad that I managed to get the slowest students together and they needed more time so I could stay for like three hours. I mean, have you ever seen a movie that lasts an hour? And then there's travel time and hugging. I'd have to multitask. Now it's time to tell you how it was put into practice and what happened in the end. On Wednesday, I prepared in advance. I gathered all my old music notebooks and came up with a cover-up story. What do you have today? My father asked me as I came down the stairs, carrying my music books under my arm and trying to cram them into my backpack as I passed him. There's a girl from China. They just arrived, and her mother wants her to take some music lessons. Hmm, well, good luck with that. I kissed my dad on the forehead and went over to Kim's. I mean, to Adam. We were supposed to meet at the box office in the movie theater. 
I had to carry my backpack everywhere. But it wasn't such a high price to pay for trying to somehow avoid military school and another fight with my dad. The no dating option seemed absurd to me, and I didn't even consider it. We only live once, you know. I was a little late. Adam muttered something to himself, but I safely ignored his frustration. A respectable girl is never on time. Who told you that? I read it somewhere. The movie was lousy. Adam kept trying to make jokes, and he wasn't very good at it. We kept getting shushed and we were asked to behave. About halfway through the movie, I said I had to go out for a minute. Okay, Adam said. I walked out of the theater and went home. The next day, Sam asked, How was it? It could have been worse. We could have been forced out of there. Okay, first time didn't go very well. On Friday, Andrew and I went bowling. Of course, to my father, Andrew was an Andrew. And Pauline was another lost soul who wanted to learn how to play Mozart and Beethoven. Bowling turned out to be even worse than the movies. I couldn't do it at all, which made me angry. And Andrew kept saying, I don't understand. It's so easy. You pick it up and drop it. He decided to show me how to do it and got a strike. See, it's easy. Well, if that's the case, we're not going to make it. I hate bowling in general. It's an old man's game. I took my backpack and ran. I was getting desperate. There was still Liam, but he and I were more like friends. All our communication was limited to trolling random passersby. But on Saturday, the day before we were supposed to meet, the guy texted. I have an idea. It's a surprise. I was in anticipation of either a grandiose disaster or something really interesting. Turns out, Liam had bought two tickets to the Dolphinarium. I didn't know we had such a place. I was surprised. Yeah, we have a lot of interesting places in town. The show was amazing. The dolphins did all kinds of tricks. Jumped through hoops, juggled balls. It was much more interesting than that dull drama that Adam took me to. And bowling? Andrew's stupid initiative. I didn't notice how or when, but Liam took my hand. I looked at him and blushed slightly. That day confirmed one fundamental truth. Sooner or later, quantity converts to quality. All I had to do was survive two disappointing dates. But even now, we couldn't resist and began to observe people in the crowd and make up amusing stories about them. Look! I pointed to a man in tight white pants with lush hair. Former jockey. Yeah, got hurt when he fell off a horse. Lives with his mother now and goes shopping in his old minivan. That was a good one, so it was Liam's turn. Over there, see? He's like, he's got a menacing face, like he's ready to pounce. And that's when I saw my father. He was looking right at us, and he didn't look happy. It's time to get out of here. On the way, I explained to Liam what happened. Weird, he summed up. Yeah, I'm afraid to imagine what's waiting for me at home. But I couldn't figure it out, what my father was doing at the Dolphinarium. I expected anything, shouting, accusations of lies, threats. But when I entered the house, my father didn't say a word. The next day, he calmly announced that he had submitted my papers to military school. My worst nightmare was coming true. No amount of tears or persuasion had any effect on dad. I locked myself in my room and didn't want to leave. Suddenly, out of the blue, someone came to the rescue. 
Liam texted me. Look, I think I have a solution to your problem. I sneaked out of the house and went to the place Liam had picked. He, without any greeting, said, It's a strange coincidence. I never told you about my father, but he's the director of the military school, the one where your dad wants to send you. A glimmer of hope. I spoke to him and he said he would help you. How? I don't know, but don't worry, my father will think of something. A week later, a letter came from the academy and much to my delight, I got a rejection. My father was shocked. He even wanted to fight with the management, but after a while, he cooled off. I told him more about Liam, I explained that it wasn't a fling, and my dad decided he'd give us a chance. So I didn't get into the military academy. That's a good thing. I would have been the worst student in the history of the institution. Have you ever been able to get out of a bad situation? Tell me about it in the comments. You all know I adore that silly girl. I patted Whitney's cheek, and she jokingly poked me on the side. We adore you too, our dear subscribers, added Whitney. See you again soon. Ciao. I sent an air kiss to the camera, and we finished the broadcast. Get your hands off me, goat. I hissed angrily and pushed Whitney away. Don't touch me, you fool. She waved her fist at me. I hope this is our last broadcast. I can't stand you any longer. It's mutual, Trisha. Whitney finally left, and I was able to exhale in peace. Hi, my name is Trisha, and I have to pretend to be friends with my nemesis for the sake of the hype. Whitney and I were never friends, and we've disliked each other since primary school. This upstart pissed me off so much that we were literally fighting every day. You won't believe it, but at one point, our parents even stopped being called to the principal's office because everyone is fed up with our feud. When we moved to high school, the feud only intensified. The first love and attention only fueled our hatred. As it happens, we were the prettiest girls in school, and I had to make all sorts of shenanigans with Whitney to hold on to the lead. I messed up her hair and clothes, set her up in front of the cool guys, and tried to turn her studies into a nightmare. But Whitney was a tough nut to crack. One Valentine's Day, she did me so bad that I've been cleaning up the aftermath for a year. Whitney sent all the nerds Valentine's cards on my behalf, signed in my handwriting and with a print of red lipstick. She even spritzed the Valentines with the same perfume as mine. She wrote that I was ready to go on a date with each of the nerds. After all, they are worthy of attention despite their lame appearance and an irresistible craving for video games and anime. The whole pimple army just flooded me with messages and they even started hitting on me at school. In the end, the cool guys started laughing at me and the stubborn nerds waited for their moment of stardom. I even had to close my social media pages. And that is a big blow to my ratings. After that, I ordered myself a huge pillow with Whitney's face on it. And every day, I'd hit it as hard as I could, taking out all my anger. But worst of all, it started when I transferred to another school. Or rather not just me, but that upstart Whitney. I was ready to spit venom. There she was again. However, the children at the new school thought first that we were just friends in a fight and word spread around the school about cool girls like us. We can take down a couple of local school queens and take the crown away from them. 
These words made our sense of self-importance break through the ceiling. And we decided that we could certainly use that kind of popularity. Meeting at the best pizzeria, Whitney and I have decided to sign a temporary truce. I'm willing to put up with you for that. I'm 70% fame, you're 30, Whitney declared. What? I'm 80 and you're 20. I got angry. Sure, chicken. You're the chicken. I took the juice and threw it in her face. We got into a fight and tore down the nearest tables. And so it was up to me and Whitney, blazing with anger, to wash all the dishes in the cafe to pay the fine, as we didn't have enough money. One way or another, we came to a common decision. And the next day, two classmates, Whitney and Trisha, showed up at school. The boys ran after us like puppies. But the girls didn't like it. Naturally, conspiracies began to form against us. But hardened fighters like us coped with these attacks together. Courtney and Suzanne, the local queens of the school, they didn't want to give us the upper hand. And I had a plan to stomp on them. Whitney, remember your Valentine's Day stunt? Of course I remember. It's the best surgery I've ever had. I made you a real sucker. Whitney laughed quite a bit. I couldn't stand it and we had a fight, breaking each other's nails and messing up each other's hair. However, we implemented our plan with Valentine's. Whitney did everything like a true master framer. And so Courtney and Suzanne are being chased by a mob of nerds. And the other guys laugh dismissively at them. We won, but to stop there would have been foolish. And so our shared blog on all social media was born. We've won the hearts of thousands of viewers. But behind the scenes, we were ready to eat each other up every day. Donations, likes, fame, and dates with cool guys were the best reward for patients. But then something happened that I didn't even expect from Whitney. On another broadcast, she suddenly offered her subscribers a poll. Who is the coolest girl between the two of us after all? I, of course, wanted to finish the broadcast quickly. But the audience liked the idea. Voting began to gain momentum. Whitney was suddenly winning by a huge margin. I couldn't believe my eyes. Oh, thank you, my darlings, said Whitney in a sweet voice. Thank you. But I don't think it's fair to poor Trisha. You know what? I give the title of the coolest girl to her. Whitney ostentatiously put the crown on me and jumped with joy. I was shocked and I didn't know what to say. When the broadcast ended, I even decided to thank Whitney. I didn't expect that from you. Thank you, Whitney. I lowered my gaze modestly. I think we should stop feuding, Trisha. We are a great team. We hugged and I felt a strange lightness. When I got home, I even threw away the battering cushion with Whitney's face on it. The truce has even cheered me up. I didn't notice how the boys started to treat us. Whitney was basking in the glory, and all I got was condescending and pitiful smiles and compliments. It was only then that it dawned on me. Whitney made a poor lamb out of me. She, like a kind fairy, gave me the crown, encouraged everyone to spoil me with likes and comments, and she was gaining popularity herself. You hear that, fairy godmother? I'm going to rip your hair out. I pounced on Whitney right before the shoot. It's taking you a long time, Trisha, grinned the cheeky girl. Poor thing, I'm only trying to shelter you in my shadow from trouble. I'm going to rip your hair out. We started fighting again. I made such a mess of Whitney that she was sure she wasn't going to live. 
But Whitney showed herself confidently on camera. Suddenly, she started telling everyone that she was just sick. But she came to the broadcast for me. For me! And she began to bask in the glory rays again. But I got a lot of disapproving comments. That same day, I bought a new pillow with Whitney's picture on it. Only this time in full size. And beat her until she ran out of strength. Oh, how she pisses me off! This broadcast is where my story began. And it will end with my victory, rest assured. At another meeting with subscribers, I decided that the poor lamb would be Whitney and slipped a laxative into her milkshake. Oh, there was no face on Whitney, and I groomed her in every way possible. At the same time, talking to everyone else and hanging out. Trisha, we think we better get together another time. Subscribers gathered around Whitney. Yes, Whitney's not feeling well. She needs to rest. Come on, let's party! I jumped up on a chair and started dancing. The truth is that it only made everyone angry. And then Whitney turned to the others with a faint smile. Guys, let Trisha have some fun. She really needs it now. Don't worry about me. And she collapsed. I went from being a poor lamb to a disgusting toad. Enough! That's enough! I shouted. Listen, we're not friends. We've hated each other since we were kids. I hate Whitney, and she hates me. We fight and quarrel all the time. Come on, Whitney, tell them the truth. Oh, you poor thing. Whitney came up to me. Trisha, if you want, I'll give you our blog. Don't hurt my heart with words like that. Whitney squeezed out a tear. After that, I was almost thrown out of the party right into the street. I had to block all my social media again because I've been inundated with angry messages. And at school, I even had to eat lunch in the backyard next to the most accomplished losers. But the wrangling with Whitney has stopped. It was as if we no longer existed for each other. Whitney continued to blog alone and I concentrated on my studies because college is only a month away. My whole life has turned gray. I had money and no matter what, the guys were still chasing me. But something very important is missing, without which every day was dreary and monotonous. I noticed that Whitney too, despite her fame, is not glowing with happiness. We were just passing through, and for a month, we haven't even said a word to each other. So I wanted to hear something from her, even if it was just another insult. I denied with all my might that I missed Whitney. We've been feuding for so long that I realized with horror that she was the closest human I had. I got a boyfriend, but even he couldn't fill that void. The night before graduation, I felt so sad that I stopped hitting the pillow with Whitney's face and hugged it. It's not hard to guess that I was the outsider at the prom. Even my boyfriend was scared to be around me, and he ended up just leaving me alone to dance. At one point, a huge piñata with my picture on it was dragged onto the dance floor, and they started beating her with bats to get the sweets. And I was breathless with resentment. That's enough! Are you animals? Whitney came out to them. She deserved it! Shouted someone from the crowd. I was sure it was another one of Whitney's plans, and just watched it all holding back tears. In the end, I couldn't stand it and decided to leave the prom. And I've been dreaming of it for so long.
This part of the hall was very dark, and I thought it was a great chance to slip away. But then someone sat down next to me and sighed heavily. I didn't think prom was going to suck so badly. Was Whitney's voice. Are you serious? Gloating? I snapped. But in my heart, I was glad she came to me. No, this has gone too far, Trisha. I didn't want it to. There was silence, but we stayed seated next to each other. Why don't we go and sit down at our favorite pizza place? She suddenly asked. Are you trying to poison me? You've got lots of friends here. Hang out with them. Friends, Whitney grinned. I thought long and hard about friendship. And you know what I realized? Because of our feud, I've never had a friend closer than you. I know the feeling. I grinned too. And we suddenly <laughs> laughed. Whitney and I left the evening without saying anything to anyone. Most of the night, we ate pizza and chatted. It turns out, we knew everything about each other. Our interests, favorite music, soap operas, and food. We used to use it as a weapon, and now it has become a topic of our friendly conversation. Naturally, we applied to the best college in the state and ended up studying there together. It's hard to believe, but we become such close friends that I began to think of Whitney as my sister. This story ended with a very important discovery for me. Sometimes teenage feuds are just a thirst for attention, and your enemy may be your closest friend. Because, in fact, your interests and views are very similar. Have you ever had a situation where your enemy has become a loyal friend or even a loved one? Write your stories in the comments. It'll be very interesting. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel, like, and share this video with your friends. There's a whole pile of money in here. There's so much money, it'll be enough for several generations. I excitedly told my boyfriend. You should talk to your parents about it. They should explain to you the origin of the money. Johnny replied thoughtfully. What if they didn't know anything about it? Maybe I should just take some of it. I continued to reason. No way. First of all, it could be someone else's money. And secondly, it could have a criminal background. My boyfriend suggested, which really scared me. Strangely enough, I didn't even think about it. You're right. Maybe I should discuss it with my parents. Hi everyone, my name is Mary, and I recently found out that there are millions of dollars in my house. But despite that, our family lives on the edge of poverty. My parents are farmers, so they live in a rural community, or more accurately, in the middle of nowhere. For the sake of my future, they sent me to the city to study. Now I only come home on weekends and school breaks, and the rest of the time, I live with my grandparents. In fact, my parents used to be quite well off, we had a nice apartment in the city, but we had to sell it after the fire at the farm in order to rebuild at least some of the destroyed property and start farming again. It's going to be different now. We can't afford half of what we used to be able to afford, of what we used to be able to do. Dad said sadly, as he stood on the ashes and wiped a faint tear from his cheek. But my parents didn't want to change anything. The thing is, we belong to one of the oldest families that had been farming for centuries. It runs in our veins. My grandfather was a farmer. My father was a farmer. But I would like for my children and my grandchildren to choose their own path. My father always says proudly, and I'm very grateful mm -hmm. to him for that. I would like to be a stewardess or a model, but I haven't made up my mind yet, and I still have time to think about it. Think, think, my dear. But if anything, you can always take over our family business in the form of hay, manure, and cows. My daddy smirked at me. And when he said that, 
I didn't feel like fooling around and letting things happen by themselves. By the way, my parents are very brave people. They were supposed to continue taking care of the family business after the wedding, but they had the courage to run away to the city for a better future, so I could grow up in a different environment and get a decent education. And I think I'm on the right track. I've made a lot of new friends in the city, and most importantly, I met my love, Johnny. What are you doing? Just put your foot here and the machine will wrap the film around your shoes. Are you from a village? said Johnny when he saw me for the first time. I was trying to pull a bag from the shoe cover machine. Yeah, from the village, I said blushing. How ashamed I was of myself. But if it weren't for that incident, I would never have met my love. Johnny and I have a lot in common. We listen to the same music, we love sushi, and we both bite our nails when we're nervous. When I go to my parents' house, my boyfriend misses me a lot and looks forward to my return. On one of those trips, I decided to clean up the barn to help out my parents a little. But it turned out to be so old that at some point, the floor just collapsed and I fell right through it. Man, that hurt. Mom used to always tell me to eat more food. If I'd been a little thicker, I wouldn't have fallen through that crack. I grumbled angrily at myself. It was easier to fall through than to get back out. I hope I don't starve to death in this hole. I muttered and decided to look around. I turned on the light on my phone. There was nothing around except a strange box. I had unrealistic hopes for its contents. I hoped to find tools in it that I could use to break up the rest of the floor and get back to the surface. However, its contents were more than unexpected because the box was filled to the brim with money. What a find! There's a fortune here, a dream come true. And what a pity it's come to me now when I can only use it as toilet paper or a handkerchief. I said ironically, trying to figure out how much money was in there. At that point, the money didn't really matter because I had to get out. And when you're in an extreme situation, you have to use whatever you have on hand. So I got on top of the box of money, broke the floorboards above my head and climbed out. That sure went well, I said, wiping the sweat from my head. After the fall, my bones ached and my head was pounding. What bothered me the most was my discovery. There was a fortune in that box and it could change our family's life. Realizing this was terrifying and exciting at the same time. So I covered the hole in the floor with junk and hurried away. Where did this money come from? Who does it belong to? Do my parents know about it? And if they do, why are they living on the edge of poverty? I pondered. I didn't ask my parents that time. And when I got back to town, I decided to tell Johnny. He assured me that no matter what, I should talk to my parents about what I found. Okay, this weekend I would definitely do that. I promised my boyfriend. And for the next few days, I imagine the conversation I'll have with my mom and dad when I go home for the weekend. Do you know that you have a lot of cash lying around in there? Do you want some dough? Look there. Don't have enough money? Just get it from the barn. That's about how I imagined the beginning of my conversation with my folks. I really don't know how to tell them what I'd found because it wasn't a $10 bill. Confusion, fear, panic, joy, excitement. I think I was going through the whole range of emotions, but I was still able to pull myself together and start talking. Mom, Dad, last week I fell through the floor in the shed and found a whole bunch of money in a box. Do you have anything to say about that? I said boldly when I arrived at my parents' house. I'd been preparing, and that's why my words sounded confident and clear of any doubts. At that moment, I was ready for any reaction from my parents 
from indifference to a fit of rage. I hope you didn't touch them. Hmm. My dad didn't even flinch. Hmm. I didn't, but why are you so calm about it? As if millions of dollars mean nothing to you. Maybe there's something I don't understand. I answered suspiciously. My mother was clearly nervous, putting her apron on and taking it off several times. Yes, of course I know about the money. But the most important thing you have to understand is, you must never take a cent from it. Dad said sternly and went back to his business. All my next questions were simply ignored, and that put me in a kind of stupor. Parents count every penny, save on everything, and yet they have millions of dollars. It's weird, I thought. I came up with two main theories that day. I was open to the possibility that my parents' savings from the old days were put aside and that they were intended for my studies at a prestigious university. The other version was that my father got the money through some crooked way, so he was afraid to spend it. But knowing my father's honest nature, this version seemed completely absurd and unrealistic. However, I decided to do my own investigation anyway and googled information on unsolved thefts and burglaries in recent years. And I managed to find something interesting. Some time ago in a neighboring city, an armored car was robbed. The criminals got away with millions of dollars and the police never managed to find them. What's more, the date of the robbery was almost the same as the day of the fire that happened at our house. It all made sense. Out of desperation, Daddy decided to make some extra money for the family and committed a horrible crime. And now it was clear why he had hidden that money so carefully and forbade me from touching it. He's just afraid that he'll be found and locked up for the rest of his life. God, what a nightmare! How could Daddy do such a thing? And who was the other burglar? I wondered aloud, trying not to panic. The next morning, I had to go back to the city. But it wasn't the alarm clock that woke me up. It was a loud conversation outside. I looked out the window and saw my dad talking to a man. And it was hardly a friendly conversation. Don't worry, your money will stay intact. And my daughter will live the life she wants. We'd rather be poor, but free. My father said to the stranger, it was clear that the man had something uh -huh. to do with that money and that it no. was somehow directly related uh -huh. to me. I decided to waste no time and act because now the truth was closer than ever. Why don't you tell me what this is all about? I said defiantly, running out into the street. My father was surprised and hesitated for a bit, and the stranger looked at me with an appraising look, smiled and said, So that's who you are, our future daughter-in-law? After these words, my father shouted at him and sent him away. I was so shocked, I couldn't say a word, and just looked at my father in confusion. All right, I'll tell you everything. He said sadly and went into the house. That's when I found out that the stranger was a rich man from the community that my parents had fled from years before. Some time ago, he found out about the fire in our financial situation and decided to seize the moment. You know very well that members of our community shouldn't get involved with outsiders. So it's best for everyone if your daughter marries my son, he said to my father, opening a suitcase of money in front of him. He was offering my father a huge sum of money, and in exchange, I had to marry the stranger's son. But my father flatly refused, so they made a bet. The man said he would leave the money with us, and if not a single bill disappeared before I came of age, then daddy could have the money for himself. But if anyone took a cent, my daddy would give me a way to marry his son. Now you know everything, so I'm asking you to forget about the money for a while, and then in a year, 
we'll be very rich. Daddy said hopefully at the end of his story, and then he added, Look at the son of that weirdo. How could I marry you off to such an awful guy? He showed me a picture on his phone. It was Johnny. I mean, all this time, my dad's been doing everything he could to keep me from doing what had already happened. Yes, Daddy, I think you're right. I said as I hurried to get my things so I could catch the bus. My head was a mess. But one thing I did know was that we could basically start spending money now. Johnny wasn't someone I wanted to keep away from, and I'd be glad to be his wife in the future. Do you think I should tell my parents and start spending that money, or should I wait a little longer? Share your answers in the comments, and be sure to like this video if you enjoyed it.